join me in prayer this morning? God, thank you uh, that you are our Father and that you have adopted us into your family. Uh, You are a good Father, a loving Father, a Father uh, who is there throughout time and has stood the test of time, who has been faithful. And Lord, I pray this morning that we uh, would worship you in that way, God, that we would be reminded of your steadfastness, of your faithfulness, of your deep love for each and every one of us. And God, as we look at what it means to be children, as we look at what it means to be parents this morning, uh, that you uh, would meet us there and remind us of all the things that you want for us in the midst of these uh, lessons as well as in the midst of these leadership responsibilities that you give us and uh, instructions that you desire to form our heart to know you more, that you want to draw us closer to you and that you have a plan and a purpose for each of us. Uh, we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So this morning, uh, we are continuing on in our Ephesians series, and we are in the second half of Ephesians. Uh, The first part of the summer, we spent time looking at what Christ has done for us and the incredible work that he has done on our behalf. And the second half we come into then looks like, what does a life look like that is lived uh, for him, that is worthy of what he has done for us? And specifically, we come to a section here where there are kind of three specific areas of instruction for areas of life that we find ourselves in. Uh, Zach last week uh, mentioned that in the end of chapter five, we were given a little picture, a snapshot of what life lived under the rule of Christ, life lived in a good relation with him, life that would reflect him looks like. In chapter five, it says this, we should be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're given a little snapshot of what that life, if we live under the rule of Christ, if we live with him, that it would look like, that it looks like songs and hymns overflowing from our heart. It's a beautiful snapshot. And then following that, uh, verse 521 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then there are three specific instructions uh, for Christian households. If you've got little subtitles in your Bible, it says instructions for Christian households. And it talks about marriage, which we talked about last week. It talks about being children and parents this week. And then next week, we'll talk about the employer-employee relationships. And so today we come to this ch- section on how do we, uh, what are the rules for us as children? What are the uh, instructions for us as parents? And so I started thinking back to some of my practical instruction I got from my parents. Uh, note this, my parents were very great. They, I love my parents. They're great examples. They did all this. There was not a lot of verbal instruction on how to parent or to be a kid. Uh, and I was a boy, I, I am a boy. Uh, there wasn't, was. Um, <laughs> let's just go and, let's go and deal with that real quick. Um, but uh, so... So it wasn't like there was a whole lot of like asking them questions about their love life and their parenting style. Like, you know, we just sort of, but I remember the one thing, the the phrase that I remember the most about how to be a kid and that would, I guess, was my parenting instructions was do as I say, not as I do. Uh, That was from my mom. That was a pretty common one, especially when I was in high school and trying to test every limit and go, why? But why? You know, every time, do as I say, not as I do. So that doesn't really help all that much. But I think as we come into this, whether we're kids at home, whether you're sitting here and you're at home with your parents or you have parents or whether you've embarked on this part of life of parenting kids, a lot of us just want an instruction book. I mean, I think deep down when we get in this role, especially I think as parents, it'd be great to have a checklist. It'd be great if I knew like one, two, three, if I do these things, my kids will come out okay. I'll, I'll be okay. I won't mess this up too much. Um, maybe for some of us, you're sick like me, you just like checklist, you want to cross things off. So if you had a checklist every day, you could just get it done. Like I did, I was a good parent today. Great. Um, for some of us, you just want to win. So if you had like kind of a checklist of how you do that, like your kids are going to be the best and you're going to be the best parent. And if you have that problem, that's, we'll, we'll talk later. Um, 
because I'm competitive too. But it's probably good that we don't have a checklist, that the Bible, that God was smart enough not to leave us with just do these things because so much has changed in the last 2,000 years practically. Even in the last 50 to 100 years, some of the parenting advice we've had has changed a lot. So I started going back through and looking, what were some of the things uh, that we were taught or maybe just even in this last century? So I pulled up some ads where we learn our best parenting advice is from ads. So this first one here, for a better start in life, start cola earlier. Um, I think we can probably agree this is not a, a, a normal parenting thing now. My favorite one, you probably can't read the second one that says boosts personality. So if you give them cola to boost their personality, 7-Up is so pure, so wholesome that babies are just craving it. Just give your kid 7-Up all the time. There's nothing bad in there. Uh, next up, this is great. I think you'll really appreciate this one, parents especially, how television benefits your children. And in the top right, it says it will help them get their homework done quicker. Probably not true. Uh, next here we have... Uh, I don't even know what to do with this one in a lot of ways. Uh, probably not the greatest instruction for our kids. Just tell your parents to light up. They'll be fine. Um, next up was, uh, we know, we all like want to get our kids outside and get some fresh air. And so they have pens for children. In this pen, the baby can amuse himself and his mother need feel no anxiety about him if you just put him in a pen. And so this, I think, led to a bigger thing in like the 30s or 40s uh, where parents built cages outside of their New York um, windows and like uh, cities and place their kids outside. Maybe some of you have seen that. And so it's probably good that we weren't left with a list. This was a fad for a while. I don't know why. This is real weird. But all right, we can go past that. But it's probably good that 2,000 years ago, we weren't left with a list of things to do because it may have been a little outdated like this. But God, in his infinite wisdom, and in knowing that we would be digging through this today in this very place and in this very room, uh, gave us principles that apply and principles that last forever and are applicable always. So let's see what God has to say about us as children and in our role as parents. We're looking at Ephesians 6, uh, verses 1 through 4. It's in your bulletin or in your Bible if you want to follow along. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And so it's a small section. It's four verses. And, and as we come into the middle of it, it seems, how are we going to dig so much out of here? It's been so fun to have time with us over these last few weeks because there's so much in the midst of this short section for all of us. Um, the first thing I found very comforting for parents or for anybody who works with kids, which I see lots of base camp shirts on today and lots of teachers are here. Um, guess what? 2,000 years ago, obeying was still an issue for kids. So this is nothing new. This has been an ongoing thing. Um, but what is really significant here, and, and kids, I want to talk to you for a minute. So if you're in the room today, if you're a kid, you're living at home, uh, this is for you. And this is really remarkable because the Bible talks to you directly. And in this society, when this was written, kids would not be addressed very often. They didn't, weren't, weren't uh, brought up. Even when we saw a story in, in the Gospels where Jesus is sitting there, kids are coming to talk to him. His followers are trying to keep the kids away because it just wasn't customary at the time. And he says, come, let them talk to me. The, the fact that you're addressed in here is significant. God has a plan for you right now. God wants something in your life right now in this role, in this life that you have, living at home. God has something for you right now. You don't have to wait till later. It's not something that happens when you're old enough to do something. God wants to work in you right now. So this is significant and God wants you to listen up. So I think that's why he puts children comma. He's zeroing in on you. So listen up for just a couple of minutes. Parents, if you, you're welcome to listen in too, but this is really for kids this morning. Um, this, is, this is a little bit of time for you that God wants to share with you something. And I think he wants to speak into your life, into your heart in the middle of this. Um, 
I know that word can seem harsh, obey. It's a word, I think now, oftentimes we, we associate it with dog training, dog obedience. You're going to pet smart, you're getting the little tassel, but he's not, he's not doing it in this way. He, he wants you to really listen in because this is God speaking to you. God loves you, kids, more than you'll ever know. God cares for you. He wants to know you. He's created you. He's crafted you uniquely. God loves you. And in this command, he wants you to know that there's something beyond a simple act of obedience. There is so much more that is rather than that is what it is, but it does something more in your life. He tells us it's the right thing to do. He tells you it's the foundation of a good relationship with your parents, that when you start with listening to them, of taking to heart what they say, of doing what they tell you, this is your part as a child, as you're as under the leadership of your parents when you're at home, this is your job, obey your parents. God is giving you your parents for your protection. Uh, your parents have been put there to watch out for you, to love you, to set up a place for you to grow up and be safe. Um, you may not have uh, realized it at the time when your parents told you not to run out in the street. At the time, you're like, why don't they want me to have any fun? Like, we're trying to train our one and a half year old now to not run in the street. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Fortunately, it's a slow street. Um, but, uh, when you think about it now, like that was really wise. Your parents have a lot of wisdom. They've gone through a lot in life. Your parents have stories. Your parents have gone through a lot. And there's parts of their story you may never know or not now until you're older, but they have been grown up and they've been taught a lot by God. And God has put them specifically in your life for your protection and to give you wisdom in the midst of that. Uh, they may seem like they're really out of touch. They may not know what a Charmander is. They may not know how to play Pokemon Go. They may not know how to find really cool things like that, but they know a lot about life and they are here for you. And God has placed them in your life specifically uh, to know you and for your protection and to offer you wisdom. And the other thing is they love you and they absolutely want what's best for you, especially if you're sitting here in this room right now. If you're a kid and you're sitting here now and your parents went through the effort of getting you up this morning and getting you dressed, driving you to church, doing all the things, they want you to be in a good place. They want you to come hear the truth about God. And especially if you're sitting in service, they want you to hear clearly how much God loves you. And they do this week after week and it is hard work, but they want what's best for you. And if you're in middle school or in high school uh, right now, this is all just a little um, tip for you. I know it probably feels right now like you know everything and you're ready to move on. I know when I was in middle school and high school, I, f I was pretty sure that I had it all figured out. Um, and you might, you might have most of it figured out, but I would ask you to do this. Be humble in that way. Be teachable. Uh, approach your parents. That is a part of the way we obey. Like even when you know a lot, like your brains are getting filled with so much incredible knowledge right now, but to be humble about that, to approach your parents and obey them and to be willing to learn from them, it is a huge way that we honor our parents in that way. Um, following this, after verse one and verse two and three, um, it's talking about that when we obey our parents, we're ultimately obeying our Father in heaven, our, our Heavenly Father, God himself in this area when we're in this foundational part of our life. And he moves on in, the, in, two, in, in verse two and three. It says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Half of the verse we're talking about is this middle section of two and three. And he's quoting the 10 commandments back at Exodus 20, these 10 rules that were set up of what is life li lived under the rule of God? What is for the nation of Israel? What is it gonna look like that these 10 rules that if we follow these things, life will be in order with God. And he includes it as half of this part of the instruction to you and here and to all of us. Honor your father and mother. Um, reading through the Ten Commandments this week, it's been interesting. A lot of uh, theologians, a lot of scholars believe that the Ten Commandments were actually set up in two areas, that the first four were set up, how do we relate to God? Um, and our relationship with God, how do we relate to them? And the other six were how do we relate with one another? So the two areas of our life that come together, but in verse five was kind of a hinge point. And in, 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 in commandment five and commandment five was honor your father and mother. 
And there's a sense in here that he made this in the middle because the first part of our life when we're growing up with our parents is where we first learn what it looks like to live under a leadership, to live under authority of someone else. And ultimately that teaches us what does it look like to live under the authority of God, that it was so important that he included it in one of the 10 things, one of the 10 most important rules, honor your father and mother. It's really an incredible thing. And so there's something in the midst of that that God desperately wants us to learn and is important enough that it was set up a society under him and a rule under him. And, and for all of us, this isn't just for the kids here today. That's what you need to hear that too, but this is for all of us, every one of us. So adults in the room, we're back, we're here together. Um, honor your father and mother. This commandment is for every one of us because most of us have parents. Uh, we have grown up with someone or we still have our parents and we are set up under this thing. And God tells us to honor our father and mother. And there's something in the midst of that that God wants to teach us. There's something in the midst of that where God wants to meet us and work in our lives in, the, in that commandment of honoring our father and mother. And I know um, this isn't always easy. We come into this room, when we have uh, people here, we come from every kind of background with that. And you have story upon story, and we have carry all kinds of hurts and all kinds of joys and everything in between into this room with what happened in our parents. But there is something where it was important enough for God to say, honor your father and mother, and it is a lifelong thing that we're called to do. And if, there, if, if this is an area where you come in this morning, and this may be the part of today where God is meeting you, if this is an area you really struggle with, um, this might be the thing where God wants you to spend some time with this week and to figure out what that is, to find one thing. As a practical way, is there one thing that you can honor your father and mother for? It may take, it may take more than a week. It may take a long time. It may be just the fact that they bought you diapers. It may be the fact that they loved you enough to let someone else raise you. I don't know what it is, but is there somewhere in the midst of that where you can honor your father and mother? Because I really believe there's a peace where God wants to meet us in the midst of that. So honor your father and mother. In our, um, in our student ministry training, this has been really helpful, I think, for, for me, especially, and for our leaders. We have these incredible um, adults, oftentimes young professionals, oftentimes without kids, that come alongside and lead your students in middle school and high school and are their connect group leaders. And as we go through training, we've told them two things, and I think it has a lot to do with this idea about honoring your father and mother. Uh, one of them is that no parent wants to be a bad parent. Uh, there's never been a parent who had a child and looked at that child and said, I want to be a terrible parent. I want to make all the wrong decisions and, and do a bad job. It just doesn't start there. And there, a lot of life gets in the way and a lot happens. And so starting with that idea, I think has been really uh, helpful for our leaders as they work and they hear stories. And as we hear stories, no parent wants to be a bad parent. And the second one is this, lift up the parent. Um, there are so many times when it's easy to want to side with our students and we want to be in there. But we, uh, we, we try to teach our students to honor their parents by lifting up the parent, by uh, always pointing back to your parents have a reason to side with them uh, and, and to understand what's in the midst of that. And we want to honor parents and we start try to teach that through our student ministry and everything else. There's something in there where God wants to work in us with honoring our parents. So uh, before we get into this next section, uh, address the parents, I just want to take a moment. And I know we've kind of talked about who we are as kids and that uh, talks to all of us about uh, honoring our father and mother. But this next section is really addressed to parents, people who are raising kids. And I know out there, there are several of you um, who want to have kids and haven't been able to for some reason. There are those of you that is a dream that hasn't been made yet. I just want to acknowledge that. And I tell you that I, I know that's hard. And I just want you to know we're the church with you in the midst of that. We're here with you through every season of life. And just know that you're here. We know you're here and we love you. And uh, I hope that you can still find something in the midst of this valuable teaching uh, that will be helpful for you as well. But mom and dad, let's see what God has for us as we move into this next section. Uh, remember that in this section, uh, it's, it's under this t- t- heading of mutual 
submission. And it's important because when's the last time you thought of submitting to your kids, especially if you're a parent now, you're actively uh, parenting kids. When's the last time you thought of submitting to your kids? I mean, didn't God just say in this first part, children obey your parents and really put them in the role of submitting to their parents? And he's not talking about putting kids in a position of authority. That's not where we're going with this. Uh, We're not telling you to all of a sudden go home and your kids run the house. That probably would not work out real well. Um, But he is telling us to have an attitude of of mutual submission, of value in one another, of mutuality, of looking at our kids and finding the ways to put them in a place of value in our households. You see, our submission is out of reverence for Christ. Verse 521, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It starts with reverence for Christ and understanding of who he is, knowing that we're all under his authority and leadership in our lives. So this changes how we should view things when we are put into a position of leadership, which if you're a parent, you have been. You've been put into a position of leadership with your kids. For parents, it means to have an attitude of really listening to, of adapting to, and doing all that we can uh, to connect with each of our unique and wonderful kids, and realizing one day that they will be adults and co-heirs with us as Christ's family. In Proverbs, it says this, um, train up a child in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not depart from it. And the key idea in this, um, in this proverb was according to the way they should go. And when they would have shared this in the Hebrew culture, there would have been a sense, there's so many um, times that imagery is used, especially around agriculture. In Israel um, and in this culture, the olive trees were a big part of the farming industry, and tr- olive trees came out with all kinds of bends and curves and uh, knots, and, and trees had to be shaped in the way they wanted them to go. And you could do a couple of things. If you tried to bend them too fast, it would break it, which is what you didn't want to do because that would stop the growth of it. Um, but if you just let it go wild, it would grow in the wrong ways and not be cultivated the way you want. So you had to shape the way these trees would go. And in the same way, in this proverb, it's saying, find out the unique flavor of each of your kids. Value them enough that you find out how they're wired to shape them in who God wants them to be. Because if you have more than one kid or you've known more than one kid in a family, you see they come out different. Each of them has their unique, unique character, their unique uh, abilities and gifts and, and talents. And God wants us to shape them and to understand who they are. So shape them, but don't break them. It was kind of the key lesson out of this idea in the Proverbs. So let's read again. Here in Ephesians 6, 4, it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So the first thing that God says, Fathers, uh, do not exasperate your children. So did you notice something here? Um, Dads, he talked to us directly. There was a specific instruction to fathers. So why does Paul do this? Why does he address only the fathers in this situation? Last week, he did the same thing when we were talking about marriage. There was a specific instruction to the men in this situation. And I believe that this verse and the verses that follow uh, contain valuable principles for both moms and dads, whether you're doing this with a partner, whether you're doing this on your own, there are really incredible values and principles that are here for parenting. But this specific part talks to fathers. And I think Paul gives that command to fathers for a couple of reasons. One, I think he knows that we are most commonly the ones that will exasperate our children. And this idea of exasperation, it also is translated as anger, but I think exasperation really gets the heart of it. It's when our kids either can't live up to the standards that we've set or they can't get our attention. When they either can't get us off their back or they can't get us to pay attention to what they're doing. They can never live up to the standard. And I think he knew that fathers were the ones who are most commonly to do that to drive kids to exasperation and in the anger. And I think the other part of why he does that is he knows that fathers need to be fully involved in the raising of their children, the training and instruction in their kids. That God wanted dads to be present in the midst of that when they were there because it would have been easy and he knows our nature is to distance ourselves or to pull away. So God gives very specific words to that. But he, all of this is helpful for all of us. So he says, fathers, do not exasperate your children and in other translations provoke your children to anger. So how do we do that? 
how do we exasperate our kids? Even though it's most commonly dads, moms can do it too. Uh, I think there's two common things that we can do with that. Two ends of the spectrum of what we can do with our kids. One is we become unavailable. We're so distant and we're not available to our kids that they can't get our attention. And we're so far away and all they want is our attention. And we do that for a number of reasons. We live busy lives and I get it. I look around the room and I know some of your jobs are really busy and we have a lot going on. Our phones are with us. There's constant notifications There's everything happening in our lives and it is busy and we're distracted and it's really hard. I know even, especially, at, not even, especially at our house, our kids call us all the time. I'm like, are you actually listening to me or are you looking at your phone? I'm looking at the phone. They know, they know we're not paying attention. So there's this one extreme of not paying any attention. Um, I heard a story recently, Bill Hybels is a pastor up in Chicago um, and he was talking about when his daughter was in seventh grade that he was uh, writing, he was in a study, he was probably getting ready for a sermon or writing a book, who knows. It was something that was important at the time, he's reading his stuff and his daughter, seventh grade, comes in the room and says, hey dad, can I tell you something uh, that happened at school today? And he was sort of flustered, but he wanted to pay attention. It was that, sort of that half-hearted paying attention, and he looks up, he says, yeah, can you tell me real quick? And, uh, and she kind of looked at him, and he could tell uh, something had changed in her face, and, and she's like, it's okay, Dad, I'll come back where you can listen slow. And he said in that moment, just the dagger that went in of not paying attention, of not being available for her in that really important moment, he said he kind of stopped and, I, and, and paid attention. And I know I experience this all the time. My AJ is so good about letting me know when we've pushed that limit. Um, it'll come across. Usually she likes me to go to work. She knows that when I come here, that I come home fulfilled and excited that so much good stuff is happening. But there are days when it's like, Daddy, do you have to go today? Are you leaving again? And in those moments where I've distanced myself or I haven't been available, or maybe we just haven't spent any one-on-one time together. So the extreme, uh, we can exasperate our children when we're not available. And again, I know we're busy and I know there's so much to do every day and everything that's going on, but we've got to figure it out. Uh, parents, if you are in this role right now and you have kids at home, we've got to figure out a way to be available. There's only so much time. Uh, we don't get a lot of years to do this. We have 18-ish years when they're at home for this training and instruction of being present. Rachel came in the room last night and said, do you realize we're a third of the way through with AJ? Which was like, it's hard to believe. It's flown. Some of you guys are closer to the end of that. We don't get that much time to do this. So we've got to find a way to be present in their life. The other extreme uh, that we can get into is to be too harsh, to set so many rules and to set so many things and so many boundaries and so many uh, thi- rules that have with, without any kind of relationship behind them to try to get things under control. And we can be so harsh and demanding and strict that we can get them to the point where they can never live up where we just can't, they can't get us off their back. And we can go there for a bunch of reasons. Maybe they don't clean up the kitchen enough. Maybe they're not making up their, their bed in the room. Maybe they're not doing the things they need to do. Um, and, and I'm not saying that rules are bad. Rules are needed and structures needed, and we'll talk about that. But when we get to the point where it's only rules with consequences and there's nothing else there, we run into another dangerous place of exasperation. A helpful maxim that we've talked about this week as we've been looking through this is that rules without relationship equal rebellion. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. And so these rules have to be couched in a relationship that we have with our kids, the mutuality, the reverence for one another, that we submit to one another, where we value our kids. And again, God's not saying that rules aren't important. In fact, they're extremely important. We all need boundaries. We all need healthy structures in place of how to live our lives. And one of our roles as parents is to clearly lay out the rules and the boundaries that we expect. But rules without a relationship will feel empty. And in fact, without relationship, uh, you are sowing seeds of resentment that will almost certainly result in some sort of rebellion later on in life. This may happen anyway, but this is a breeding ground for that when there's no relationship present in the midst of this season of life. 
And again, it's important to know that rules and boundaries are very important, but they're only foundational. When kind of the three levels of leadership, when we talk about leadership, and as a parent, you've been given leadership of your home, of leadership of your kids. And the most basic level of leadership development is, uh, is rules and consequences. It's kind of the lowest level of how people lead. Kind of a middle level as people progress in their leadership is involves setting a good example of living out what you're saying. But the highest level of leadership is really servant leadership. It's a leadership that was modeled by Jesus himself. It's a leadership that takes an interest in people. It's a leadership that helps them excel in their role, that pours into them, that wants to add value to that person and to bring them up higher than they could on their own. And this kind of leadership doesn't happen without relationship. And it's the same thing in our home. We've got to have that relationship so that the rules and boundaries have something more going for them. From there, Paul says, fathers, bring up their children in the training and discipline and instruction of the Lord. So this is kind of that last section on discipline and instruction. So let's look for a moment at discipline. Discipline is the interventive form of parenting. It's when we need to step in and, and give a course correction to something that's going on and address waywardness in our kids. And I'm sure for some of you right now, maybe you're uh, you got little ones. I'm on the front end of this parenting thing too, but some of you have little babies and they're, they're just perfect little angels right now. And it's hard for you to believe that in just a few months, they're gonna tell you no. And they're gonna tell it to you often. Uh, my one and a half year old is really, no, oh, no is a big word, and, uh, and that happens. They will come up to a point where they need uh, discipline and intervention in their life. In Hebrews 12, 11, it says this. God tells us that no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. God uses discipline for further fruit in our life in the same way he gives us that role as parents for discipline in the lives of our kids. So I talked to a friend this week, uh, Jeff Kern. He's one of our pastors. He'll actually be here next week teaching live on this employer-employee relationship. And I just really respect the way he parents. He has done a great job. He has three kids that are out of the house that are uh, adult kids, like a lot of you. And I see this relationship that he's had with them. He's got one in high school now. uh, And and just the way they've uh, done discipline, I really respect the way they've cared for their kids. And so he was doing this uh, same sermon today. I said, "What, what is it that you've learned and this area of discipline that would be helpful to share. So he gave me five points, and, and I think they've been really helpful, so I'd love to share them with you. First, effective discipline is never, not ever done in anger. It is a uh, response and not a reaction. And this is really hard, because in the moment, uh, especially when it comes to disrespect, especially when it comes to the 10th time you've said something, is so easy to boil over in anger. But good discipline is done in, in response. It's, it's a planned response to something going on and not a, a reaction to that moment. He said for him, and this is, I think, really helpful, he said for his wife, Jill, who uh, works in base camp over at Herndon, she's his kind of reminder, when, she, when he gets in that place, she'll say, hey, Jeff, remember to respond, don't react. I think it's often helpful to have a partner alongside in those moments when you're trying to do effective disciplining. Second, make sure the boundaries and the rules are clear. Uh, the time to let your kids know the rules isn't after something's happened. It's before. Uh, it's to decide what those boundaries are. What are those rules that you have? Make it clear beforehand what your expectations are. Uh, number three, then, is to make sure the consequences are clear as much as you can. And this is a hard one. This is one we're still work through quite often, Rachel and I, of like, what is the consequence for this action then? What is the thing that happens if you break the rule? What, what is your consequence? So as much as you can, make those clear ahead of time so that when it comes time and the rule's broken, the consequences are clear. And then this, make sure you're fair when enforcing both of these. So if you know what the rules are and you've laid them out, you know what the consequences are, make sure you enforce them. Follow through with it, but be fair in that as well. And this last one was really, really helpful. Keep the goal in mind. Uh, The goal of punishment, the goal of discipline, God's goal in all of that is never wrath and judgment. 
God's goal isn't to put us in the penalty box and send us away forever. God's goal is correction. God's goal is to draw us closer into him. God's goal is to train us up so that there is more fruit in the later part of our life. And in the same way with our kids, the goal is, is training. The goal is growing them closer to us, is growing them to be who they are. And it was just so helpful to keep that final goal in mind, the bigger picture of all of it, because then that's where the relationship comes in because you're investing in them and not just doing this out of rules. So that's why discipline is only part of what God tells us where to do. The last part of verse four, God tells us that we are to bring up our kids in the instruction of the Lord. In other words, it's our job to teach them about God and to teach them about life as a follower of Jesus. And I think we do this in two ways. Uh, The first is we need to tell them the truth of God. Uh, It's that simple and also that hard. We need to, as often as we can, tell our kids that they're loved by God, that they've been created by God, that they have been made for a purpose, that God wants to know them, that they are unique and special. I mean, all of these facts that we know about God as we learn them, we need to share them with them early, often, as much as we can. I know early on when uh, we were talking about being parents and we're thinking about it, like I saw some of these families that I really respected and I thought we're gonna have these great 30 minute hour long devotionals every day and it has not worked out that way most of the time. But what has worked for us is we've kind of found the thing that works in our family is we try to bring it up in as as much of the normal everyday going around life as we can asking questions in the midst of things. When we learn something, like what do we learn about God in the midst of that? Like um, who's someone that we should serve today? Who can we be praying for? What did you learn from doing the wrong thing? What is is something that we learned about God? Why would God want us to do that? Just little questions. And this is, we're on, again, our oldest is six. So these are a lot more basic. As they get older, some of those questions might be just training our kids to look for God in the midst of the everyday life. They're questions you can ask in the minivan. They're questions you can ask when you're having dinner. But they're in that everyday life of training our kids to think about God because it doesn't happen on its own. We don't just kind of swim upstream and meet God. It's an intentionality that happens and we have to learn and we can drift from it. But to learn to be looking for God in the everyday things is a huge part, I think, of what we get to do as parents. But we also can't share what we don't know. We can't share the truth about God if we don't know them for ourselves. So our job is also to be growing in him which is really hard because the whirlwind happens every day. School buses come every day. You gotta get home. All the things happen, the three meals, everything. It all happens, but somewhere in the midst of that, we've gotta find a way to spend time with God and to grow ourselves. And so to figure out what that is for you, what are the places that you uh, encounter God? What are the spiritual disciplines for you that draw closer to him? All of those center around reading the Bible and learning more about him. It's hard work. This isn't something that comes natural to many of us, but to spend time in his word to learn more about who he is every day but then also to find the things that happen naturally. Do you enjoy being outside and you're um, impressed and in, in, in awe of God's creation? Get there. Find a way to get outside. Is it being around people? Is it singing songs? Is it listening to something? What are the things that do that naturally bring you back in and grow you closer to God and do those things? Because we can't share what we don't know. We can't lead with the things we don't know ourselves. So we've got to be able to impart those. Um, and also, uh, in the midst of this journey, for those of you that have kids, base camp and student ministries are here to walk alongside you in the midst of all of this. Not only for your kids and to be able to set them up to start thinking about God, but for you as a parent, tools that you have to be able to ask them questions, to talk about the things that they've learned that week, and they're here to walk alongside of you. Second is this, our kids uh, are watching. They, part of what we get to do is as an example of living this out. And we have this window. We have these years that they're at home and they're watching everything we do and they're catching more than we're teaching. I wish that I could just say, like my mom said, do as I say, not as I do, and that would cover everything. Unfortunately, that doesn't really work. They're watching. And so we've got to live out what we're selling them as well to show them what it looks like to live with God. Um, They're watching how we treat the cashier when we go to the store. 
They're watching whether we resolve the argument we have with our spouse. They're watching how we spend our money. They're watching where we serve or don't serve. They're watching how we spend our time. They're watching how we pay attention to them or not. They're watching all of it and they're getting a picture of who God is through all of that. They're watching us and learning something about God. A couple weeks ago, Kaylee said as a community that people are watching the church and learning something about God. Zach mentioned last week that people are watching our marriages and finding out something about God. And in two ways, people are watching how we parent and learning something about God, but our kids are watching us and learning something about God in the midst of all of that. So we have responsibility to do that as well. And the fact is, you're not gonna get it all right. And here's the hope for us as parents, you're gonna mess up. And that's just the reality of this. We're gonna try hard and we're gonna mess up and it's gonna happen again and again. This isn't about being perfect, but it is about asking God's forgiveness. One of the things that I would encourage you to do as you come up on these situations as parents is to ask forgiveness and to model grace to your kids. One of the things that we found, especially as we're looking at our middle school and high school kids as they continue on in life, what are some of the things that really help kids keep their faith as they move into adults? And one of the big things we found is kids that knew and students that found out that grace was real and it was a tangible part of everyday life were more likely to move on in their faith as they became adults. When they didn't see a perfect example of mom and dad that never got it wrong, when they saw parents who actively were asking for forgiveness, parents who modeled grace, parents who shared about times that things didn't work out and they had to ask forgiveness and move on, kids learned so much more about who God was in the midst of that. Uh, for me, I, I don't do it nearly often enough. I'm, trust me, I'll have plenty more times for the rest of my kid's life to ask forgiveness because I'll probably mess up tonight. Um, but one time I just got it wrong. Uh, AJ and Andy had gotten in some sort of an argument probably a year ago and I just ran in there and it was like a fight at a hockey game. I threw them both in the penalty box. They were both being punished. You're, you're just, we're going, as I just wanted it broken up. I moved on. Um, AJ was just so upset and she was crying. And uh, as the night progressed, a- Rachel had found out that she really didn't do anything wrong. I had I punished wrong. I didn't have clear expectations. I didn't have clear consequences. I just sort of went in there and broke it up. And she was just so upset. And, um, Something prompted me. I'd, I'd been talking about this for a long time. I'm like, okay, she's, it's the time to go ask forgiveness. I went in there. She's in bed. I kind of sat down there and I said, AJ, I, I got this one wrong. Uh, you didn't do anything wrong. Do you forgive daddy? And she said, yeah. I said, do you know uh, that mommy and daddy mess up, that we make mistakes? And she said, yes, a little too emphatically. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and I said, do you know that that's how it is with God? We mess up all the time and God forgives us and we're going to keep messing up. Uh, and we're going to keep needing to ask forgiveness. And it was just one of those moments. I, I don't know if she remembers that or if it hopefully will have an impact if I keep doing it and if we keep doing that over life. But I know for me, there is a part of that where God really met me in that moment of being able to tangibly see what grace and forgiveness looks like in the midst of messing up and making mistakes. Andy Stanley, um, in a sermon series he did, he said, later is longer when we came to parenting. And it's something that Rachel and I... Uh, have been holding fast to one of our goals as parents. We've talked about what is it that we want for our kids. We want to have a relationship with our kids as they become adults for the rest of our life. We want to be a place where our kids want to come home. We want to have an adult relationship with them. And Andy Stanley says, later is longer. This window that we have of these 18 years when they're at home is short. It feels like an eternity and some minutes feel like an eternity. But overall, it's a short window and it sets up the stage for the rest of life when we get to have this longer relationship. And as long as we have relationship, we have influence with our kids. And I know for us, that's a goal. And I know for so many of you, that's your hope, is that your kids will be in relationship with you for the rest of your life. We have a window where we get to do this as parents. And we've got we've to do this. God has charged us. God has given you leadership in that. And if that's your dream, uh, we've got to work towards it. And for, for a lot of you, you've done it. And I just want to say thank you. One of the things that I love about coming to this church, especially coming to Lake Mary and seeing you week in and week out, 
is there are some of you that sit next to your adult kids and you're worshiping together. I see a lot of you that have dinner with your kids on a regular basis. You go on vacations together. You have relationships with your kids. You've done it. You did the hard work. You probably didn't do it perfectly. Thank you um, for giving us hope in the midst of that. But we, Rachel and I, in these weeks where it feels like we can't make it, where how can we possibly get through another week of doing this? And we come, we see that you've made it. And it's so encouraging. So thank you. Thank you for doing that hard work. Thank you for modeling what it looks like to be parents. Thank you for living that out and continuing even, and it may be especially when it's hard, especially when it was harder early on and you're trying to make up for some of those mistakes now and you're trying to patch up those relationships. Thank you for continuing to work on that and, and giving us hope that we can do that because that is our dream and you do that week in and week out. So thanks for those of you who've made it across that finish line and keep working as parents to have that relationship. Now, we wanna grow up our kids who want to obey and love God and carry on the hope of the gospel to the world around them. Uh, we have a huge responsibility and an even larger opportunity if we get this right, both as kids and as parents. We get to model out what it looks like to live with boundaries that have been set by love and to live in the midst of a long-term relationship with a loving, caring father, our God. When we submit to each other as to the Lord, both parents and kids have a chance to be transformed into the image of Christ. And that's what the world needs. The world outside these walls, the world that goes on around us every day, they need more and more images of Christ that are walking and they're missed and giving them hope. And we get to do that when we obey our parents, kids, when we honor our father and mother, and when we as parents take on the leadership of our kids, we have the chance to model out and to be Jesus with skin on for the world around us. And that's my hope for all of you. This morning, uh, we're gonna continue with our worship uh, by the taking of the communion meal. Um, I'm gonna invite the band to come on stage and get ready to lead us in communion. Um, and we come to this table in a number of ways. For kids, uh, this might be a chance for you to come to the table um, and take communion and ask forgiveness for the times you didn't obey your parents or maybe to, for the strength to continue on in the obeying of your parents, of the strengthening of the relationship that you have with God through that and meeting him here at this table. For those of us that struggle with honoring fathers and mothers, maybe this is the chance for you to come to the table and be reminded of what our heavenly father looks like and the hopes that he has for our life and to find the strength to go in and to look at honestly at what our stories were like with our parents and to hold that intention with the hope of the gospel and to be able to find the things that we can honor our parents for and in that moment find a way where God wants to meet us. And for those of us that are parents, this table may be a chance to come and ask forgiveness for the ways that we didn't get it right this week and the strength to pursue it further this week, to be intentional with our kids. And for all of us, it's a way to come and be reminded that there is a loving father, a loving father who is willing to give his son for us so that we could be in right relationship with him an incredible story, an incredible truth that God loved us so much that he gave his son. He said, you can be adopted into my family. And so this meal represents that as well. In a moment, uh, the band will be leading us in worship. And as you're ready, you'll come forward to one of these three stations. The one on my right and your left is a gluten-free option. Uh, this is not Summit's table. This is God's table. So if you are a follower of Jesus, even on this very day, if you've decided to follow him, you are invited to take this meal with us. Uh, there'll be two people up there and you'll take a piece of bread and they'll say the body of Christ broken for you. Uh, next to them, there'll be two glasses. One is labeled wine and one is juice. You'll dip your bread and they'll say the blood of Christ shed for you and then you can partake of that element and return to your seat. And they'll say these things because they're true because on the last night when Jesus was with his disciples in the upper room, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. In the same way he took a cup, he said, this is my blood shed for you. Eat and drink and do this in remembrance of me, in remembrance of the gift of my life for you to set things right. And this morning, we do that together. So as you're prepared, uh, we invite you to come forward and partake in communion with us this morning.